With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And away we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to you. Welcome back to me. This is the Landry Football Podcast live on the Landry Football Network uh, on Twitter. On what are we? Excuse me. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, YouTube. And we're on Twitch TV. Man, yeah, you can't ask for more than that. We uh, appreciate you joining us. It Look, it is uh, another week. We did not have a sponsor last week, and I was out at the Senior Bowl, and I had some connectivity problems. But uh, um, don't fear. We've got you covered this week. We've got uh, Super Bowl breakdowns. Going to recap the Senior Bowl. We're going to get into the mess at Auburn and uh, a lot of things. We're inviting you, as always, to join us. Uh, if you want to join us live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central, uh, we're going to talk some football here in the Landry Football Podcast. So make sure that you join us uh, as well as sign up for Landry Football's conference call so that you can have the podcast drop to you for your listening pleasure, go to LandryFootball.com and you can listen to it after the fact. But join us live if you want to join us in the chat room. So those of you that are watching and have gotten the notification, join us in the chat room. We'll uh, chat you up and talk about uh, everything going on in the world of football. Working on a lot of projects, a lot of things going on. I can tell you that Senior Bowl week is is very, very hectic. Um, You have the normal senior bowl activity, which is the process of evaluating players and doing those things. But then you've got, um, you tie in on a Wednesday is the second signing day, which we certainly got news and information for you on all of that. Um, And that's a busy, busy time, but it's like a coaching convention front office convention, a lot of uh, coaching searches going on. We pretty much wrapped up all the coaching hires now in the NFL. Now we're on to the assistant hires, and we're keeping you update with all of that at, at Landry Football. Super Bowl this week, um, uh, obviously uh, a lot's going on in college and the NFL. The start of the new league year is right around the corner. Uh, you get the picture. Just a bunch of stuff's going on. And uh, so we're really happy about it. A couple of things we're working, as we said, on a number of different projects. But check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest. We've got all the information. First of all, the most detailed series of scouting reports and analysis on the Super Bowl over at LandryFootball.com. The 
the scouts film room preview, the under-the-radar players to watch, some key stats to know about the game. What is going to be the key for Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl? What's the key for the Rams to win the Super Bowl? Uh, a lot of things that um, we're going on there, so we want to make sure that you're uh, keeping updated on that. Um, we also have the latest in the situation at Auburn, as well as everything going on around the world of college football, transfer portal, recruiting information. We have all that for you. Uh, we're going to get into um, all of that today, but we're going to focus a lot on the Super Bowl, all brought to you today by our good friends at LinkedIn. Uh, you want to check them out. I got to tell you about them real quick, and we'll tell you about them a little bit more. Um, they help you find jobs with the candidates that you want to talk to faster. I'm dealing with this now, working on some other projects uh, that um, in football, scouting, podcast projects, and, you know, nearly every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. You can't really beat that. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Landry. That's linkedin.com slash Landry to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So thank the good folks at LinkedIn, and we've got more details we're going to get to there in a second. Um, we've had some coaching uh, news around the world of the NFL. We're going to jump off with that. I see Jeff Parrott has joined us, and if you want to join us live in the chat room with a question, uh, bring it. Jeff, hi, Jeff. How are you? Chris, what are your thoughts on the Dennis Allen hire? It was expected. It was something that I think they did their due diligence, no question, but it would have been a huge surprise had they not gone in that direction. He's been on the staff. He's done a very good job. You know, so much is thought about the Saints, rightly so. Tied to their success is Drew Brees, Sean Payton. But Dennis Allen has done a fantastic job running the defense, uh, being an integral part. He has been there, gosh, as long as anybody. He's been there two stints with Sean Payton, and he's been very successful. He has filled in as an interim coach and has done a good job. That does not indicate how good they're going to be long-term. But this is a situation where they're not making massive changes. They feel the core is there. They feel they've got a lot of the necessary pieces in place. So the continuity there just makes a whole bunch of sense. Look, time will tell how it will work. It will work really directly correlated to their quarterback and the decisions that they make there. That's going to determine how successful it's a talented team. It's a uh, a, a good talent on defense. You've got a mess going on with Alvin Kamara. It sounds bad legally. And certainly from a league standpoint, I would suspect that he's going to be gone for a certain amount of games, maybe four to six games next year. Uh, it's a division that suddenly has gone in the opposite direction, hasn't it? You've got the Saints without a quarterback. You now have Tampa without a quarterback. Those are clearly the two best teams in that division. You've got Carolina getting better, but still without a quarterback. You've got Atlanta with a quarterback, not a good enough team around it. So it looks like a competitive 
by virtue of mediocrity division. Um, the other news um, around the coaching hires, you know, um, just some idle thoughts. We kind of break them down on Landry football. The situation in Minnesota is not done, but it will be after the Super Bowl is over. Giants have made their move. The, the Raiders getting their done. Lovey Smith um, is interesting. Brian Flores is not getting a job. I think that was expected considering the lawsuit. But we're wondering where things going to go down the road. So, yeah, it's a lot of happenings going on, again, around the NFL. If you've got some questions and thoughts on that, we're going to get into that. So we're going to get into the Auburn situation a little bit. Let me get into some senior bowl recap. Let me get into the Super Bowl. But a couple of college things I want to get into. So the situation at Auburn has become a full-blown mess. And we know this is a direction that Auburn has been down many of times. I have said that there's many places where politics, inner workings of who's really running the show, takes place in college athletics. Nowhere is that more evident than, evident than Auburn. People may say, oh, but what about Texas? Oh, Texas is pretty pretty bad as well. I can't even adequately put into words the Auburn mess. I can't quite. It's a select few. They yield a lot of power. They have almost ownership-type power. Texas is dysfunctional in their own right. No argument from me there. But it seems like there's a greater group of folks and sometimes when you're dealing with a variety of people that are in a position of power, sometimes it balances out. It can be very dangerous when you get it into the hands of a select few. It is very much like an owner in the NFL. And it is not like these folks are bad people. They love Auburn. They want what's best for Auburn. But they want access. They want things that they want their guy. They don't want someone that deals with um, things in a normal way. They want to have the type of access that I think can become very problematic at times, Um, and if they don't get their way, they will cause problems. We can go back. We can do not one show. We could do five shows on Auburn's coaching hires in the past, but let's just go back on this one since it's pretty recent in Brian Harson. There was strong sentiment among the power brokers at Auburn, that Kevin Steele was going to get the job. On different platforms that I do, I said that I'm I'm pretty certain that Kevin Steele is the guy. Why did I say that? Because the people that matter, it seems, the people that pull the strings, that's who they wanted. And they usually get what they want. Um, it didn't happen. Alan Green, the athletic director, 
got his guy. It was Brian Harson. I've known Brian. I like Brian. I'm very familiar with how Auburn runs things. My concern was at the time, and still is to this day, the fit. The people that are running things at Auburn and how Brian fits into that. It just doesn't seem to fit. Brian is not the type that's going to deal with that. I was doing an Alabama show today, and I was talking about, you know, how Nick Saban, when he took the Alabama job, there was a buffer, and it was Mal Moore. That in order to get Nick Saban, they had to give him free reign to do things and not have any interference. When he was at LSU, it was Mark Emmert that ran interference and that that shielded Nick from all the political machinations. At Auburn, there's no one to shield it. It's, It's no shield. You'll walk right into it, and it's just you're open. Pat Dye had a way of dealing with it. He was a good old boy and fit kind of in there. Everybody since has been a victim of falling out of favor in some way, shape, or form, and they're out to get you. Brian Harson did not make a whole lot of friends. He came in with the idea he's going to come in, and he's going to do it, and this is what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And he's not a glad-handing type of guy. The people that did not want him from the very beginning were looking at every angle and every opportunity to get rid of him. So I always say, when you're in that situation, you better win. And I have said, if you win, win at a high level, there's nothing they can do to get rid of you. If you lose... And you do all those things that are glad-handing, and it it won't be good enough to save you. But the quickest way out of there is when you don't do a very good job and the people that have the power through the money don't want you, you're in trouble. Brian is an outstanding coach. I don't think he did a poor job at all coaching this football team. I thought this team had some holes. I think that he made some decisions on his coaching staff that didn't work out. Either he didn't vet properly or whatever. It's his responsibility. He didn't do a very good job there. Probably the most alarming thing is the fact that those decisions that he made has led to what I would call an alarmingly bad recruiting class. Think Dan Mullen in Florida. Dan just survived a little longer, had a little more success on the field, was able to win the East a year ago. Brian's just been there one year. But, man, what a very weak-looking recruiting class at Auburn relative to what Auburn should be and usually is. So then how do you – you can legitimately look at the future of the program and say it's not going well. You know, as a coach, I'd love for him to be able to stay and I'd love for him to be able to figure out how to recruit better because I don't think Auburn is a developmental program. 
I just think there's some issues there. Well, as I look at it, you know, the the problem is when you're off on the wrong foot because they don't want you, it leads to this problem. I don't think there's any doubt at this point. I think they're too far down the path for this to be salvaged. I think it's pretty clear that what is going on now in the meetings and the discussions is gathering information, investigating for the purposes of a buyout. This is not, it's never as clear cut as people think. It's never a, well, they're going to fire them with cause and pay them nothing. Uh, Oh, they're going to fire them without cause and pay them everything. There are cases that I've seen both happen, but most of the time it is, we're going to meet in the middle, somewhere in the middle. It may not be exactly in the middle. It may be leaning somewhere towards one side or the other. But there is a gathering of information to say, here's what we got on you, and here's what we got on you. And then that will determine where the buyout comes from. Because I just don't see a scenario where he survives. Um, And I think we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. Let's get into uh, a couple of other things. Uh, And at the Senior Bowl, we always like to tell you that you know, we've, we put the detail on LandryFootball.com because the detail is just too time-consuming here on the podcast. But if you want the details of how everybody did at the Senior Bowl, if you want the details of everything going on at Auburn, everything going on around the breakdowns of the Super Bowl, the, uh, you know, the free agency, the draft, everything that we do all year round, you want to check out LandryFootball.com. The Senior Bowl has become a – it convention like, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that are discussion. It's pre calendar year of the NFL season. So there's a lot of football business taking place, but there is a lot of, um, Scott, a button talk, but the, the first and foremost, which goes on is just the evaluation of players. Um, rather than go through everybody and who's great, a couple of things jump out at me. I probably think that Jalen Petrie of Baylor may have helped himself the most. And why I say that is the safety from Baylor showed an ability to line head up over a tight end on the line of scrimmage and, and handle that well. I saw him play in a deep safety look and do that very well. I thought he was terrific in coverage, better against the run. And I thought he was very physical with guys that were bigger than he is. He's a movable chess piece in a Derwin James mold. Let's hope he can be as good. He's really, really good. He helped himself. A bunch of guys did. But I like to focus, at least for you, on guys that, I pretty much know you've maybe never heard of. You've certainly never seen play. Uh, The senior bowl is important for everybody, but I think it's more important for the smaller college guys because 
they are playing at a level of competition that is not like they normally play week in and week out. So if you're playing at a Georgia or an Alabama and you don't have a great week, um, it, it doesn't matter as much because you've got a lot of good tape, or you should if you're a good player. You will have enough tape against quality competition to adequately evaluate. If you're someone at a smaller school that struggles, then there's a little bit of a red flag that might indicate, okay, the tape is great, but it is against this level of competition and therefore something we might be concerned about transferring to the next level. There's a lot of good small college players that become really good players. So you have to be careful not to overreact to that. But the fact that it's a big moment, the fact that a lot's expected to you, the fact that it's not just one game, but a series of practices and meetings for an entire week. If you don't jump out and show yourself to be something unique and special at a small school, you've got some issues. So let me tell you about some guys that I think did a really good job that you may not know a whole lot about. One is a guy you may know a little bit about. Um, Khalil Shakir is a receiver from Boise State. I thought he ran the best routes of any receiver. Um, he was under, he was special, got open consistently, great off the line of scrimmage. As I mentioned, just great with his routes. Um, and he's got great tape and he's played well and he's played against some good teams. Jalen Tobert, another receiver out of South Alabama. Uh, he was the most consistent guy all week. Um, smooth. He dominates at the catch point. An elite release at the line of scrimmage, soft hands. Um, he's been a big-time player at South Alabama. They, again, play a decent level of competition, but he dominated. Now, Braxton Jones, he's an offensive lineman, folks, from southern Utah. Um, I thought his he displayed good play strength. I thought he showed a good base in his set. I thought he had good hand use to engage with the defender and replace his hands. Um, I think his athletic traits, his natural ability to bend are very, very good. His strength and his measurables are a great combination. And I think he's helped himself out a lot. He's going to play in the league. Remember the name. Braxton Jones at Southern Utah. Matt um, Wotelsko, he's another offensive lineman, and he's from North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, but North Dakota. Um, I thought he did a good job, and particularly in the one-on-ones. Um, I thought he recovered nicely. Um, I thought his effort was really good in one-on-one. I thought he had high intensity. Um and I thought he went against some really talented guys that he matched up well with. Travis Jones is a defensive lineman that you probably haven't seen play out of Connecticut, University of Connecticut. Um, hit a lot of skill. <clears throat> hit a really good week. Stout base, good strength, low pad level. Um, one consistently one-on-one, really good against the run. 
Um, he got after it. Really, really good player and deserves a mention here. Couple of guy, a couple of more guys, two or three more guys. Miami of Ohio, Miami University, we call them, in Oxford, Ohio. He's an edge defender that has gotten better and better. He's put on really good pass rush skill sets in the um, in the one on ones. Lanky edge rusher, really solid frame. Um, I thought he bended well, really, really good player there. There's, um, you know, the ability to bend and shorten the corner, dip the shoulder and shorten the edge. Um, then t- coming back and bull rushing, very, very impressive combination. So really did a good job. He showed up. Remember him. He's a, he's a rising guy. Uh, a couple more defensive backs, Tariq Woolen from Texas, San Antonio. Again, a school that you've heard of, played well in college. He didn't need a big week, but he's a guy that I mentioned because I don't know that many people are as aware of him, but he's, you know, in the in the fan world, in the media world, there's room to grow. He's a converted receiver. He's got good change of direction, good speeds, got really good play on the ball at receiver. Thought he took to coaching well. His athleticism is just outstanding. Um, you know, he's a guy that you normally see playing out of Texas or a Texas A&M or an Alabama or a Georgia. He's just doing it at Texas San Antonio. He looked you, – you put on an Alabama hat, helmet, at the Senior Bowl, and he looks right in. Now, that's an elite Alabama player. It's just Texas San Antonio. He is really, really good. Tyson Anderson, a safety from Toledo. Uh, played the hybrid role, lined him up all over the field. I thought he did a good job adjusting to that. Thought he did a good job with the uh, at practice with uh, playing free and strong safety. Lead even lined up in some blitz situation and some rush situations, and did a good job. Um, played a lot of different positions, even some outside backer. Love his attitude. Love his aggressiveness. Um, I think he's going to be all the qualities that. I think would be a really good special teams player because I think he's a guy that learns quickly. He's a big time competitor. He's got a nose for the football. He can avoid very well, use his hands well. He stays on his feet very well. All those things that I think help you in special teams play. Um, those are some senior bowl thoughts. Uh, Want to mention since. It'll be further down the week and further outside the news cycle. But as you know, last Wednesday while at the Senior Bowl, it was the second signing day in college football. And it was fairly easy to keep abreast of what was going on because most of the guys had signed in December. But, you know, the whole... I'm going to leave it to go to LandryFootball.com and look for the grading out the top recruiting classes for 2022 in the country. We're already getting you ready for 2023, the players. Um, I think the uh, the elite classes would be A&M and Alabama. The outstanding classes would be Georgia, Ohio State, Texas. The very good classes would be Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, North Carolina, 
the good classes would be Missouri, Stanford, LSU, Clemson, Kentucky, Michigan State, South Carolina. Uh, then I put Auburn. You know, we just talked about some of the issues, but relatively speaking, for Auburn to be a barely a top 20 class, not quite good enough. Miami, Florida State. Then you get into the above average, and we'll we'll leave the rest for you to go and check out. But one of the things that I think was mentioned that came out that day that I want to address is there was a blow up, obviously, Jimbo Fisher talking about the recruiting class and how I think clearly for him frustration that people are pointing to the NIL as the only reason why they had the class. A couple of things I want to bring out in terms of fact. Um, Texas A&M is recruited very well throughout their history. Under Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M has averaged, at least in my breakdowns, in top five or six classes nationally. Under Jimbo Fisher, they've averaged five or six. First years, is, is you almost have to throw that out for everybody because of what you're dealing with, because you're coming in late. The classes have been elite. At Florida State, Jimbo Fisher, people talk about how he left and left the program in bad shape and, and all of that. Can't argue that, but I will tell you that at Florida State, Jimbo Fisher had not one, but two number one overall recruiting classes nationally. The best class in the country twice at Florida State. Okay? The guy's proven to be a good recruiter. Um, this is not a, a case of somebody, a school that has been 25, 30 in recruiting and all of a sudden have the best class. I know that when Hugh Freeze had the number one class at Ole Miss one year, it raised a lot of eyebrows. Ole Miss hadn't had number one class. Well, they haven't really had it. If you had recruiting rankings back in the 50s, they probably ranked in the top five or six, top ten then. But they have not been that type of a class ever. So that opened up some eyeballs, and, and, and maybe there's some legitimacy of what was going on. But this is not the case with A&M. We're talking about a class that is top five, five or six, that goes up to one. So it is not that big of a leap. Now, with that said, do I think NIL had a lot to do with it? You bet. Folks, wake up. Like it or not, NIL is going to be the most important thing that a kid wants to know. Not playing time, not my degree, not how many guys have you put in the NFL, not it is what's your NIL situation looking. And the naivete, I would call it outright stupidity for people that said, well, this is not supposed to be used for recruiting what did we tell you when NIL started? Of course it's going to be used in recruiting. You can't go in and say, you come here, we will pay you this. It's semantics. This is what our guys have typically got for NIL. You're saying the same thing in a different way. 
Okay, so you're selling that. AM is not doing anything different from anybody else. And it's like, oh, they're cheating? They're not cheating. They're doing it within the rules. They deserve credit for being more organized than other people and having the funds in the what I would call the fundraising arm of their fan base, of their boosters. They're more organized than other folks. But they're not doing anything different than at Georgia and Alabama. In fact, I did speak to some folks at the Senior Bowl, some college folks, college coaches, as well as some folks that are involved in NIL, name, image, and likeness. And from what I understand, and again, this is unofficial, but they're in this business. Ohio State's putting up the most money for NIL. Texas is really high. Alabama, Georgia, A&M would make the top six or eight, but would not be one, not even in the SEC West and not even in their own state. So certainly it is a contributing factor to them being able to maybe take the recruiting to the next level. But I think it's unfair and I think um, disingenuous to talk about, you know, because I think that they're talking about what is typically done and can be done at their program. Um, you know, the comment of Nick Saban saying, well, we don't, uh, we don't offer players money. Um, it's semantics. He was a guy that at a Texas high school clinic said, our quarterback's going to be making upwards of a million dollars. Of course, he's using that in recruiting. By saying it, that's using it in recruiting. That was calculated. So certainly he is using it. If he wasn't recruiting it, he wouldn't be landing a top. He wouldn't be landing as good a class anymore. Now people think, oh, yeah, they do it every year. Not anymore. If you're not in the NIL business, you are not going to be a good recruiting program anymore. You're just not. I mean, if Alabama says we're not recruiting, we're not using NIL, damn it. We're just we're against it, then Alabama will fall off the map like like jumping out of a 20-story building because NIL is where it's at. It's what the kids want to know. And it may not look a lot different because the great recruiting programs have been great for a long time because they have the best facilities and they can put forth a lot of the different things to allow you um, that your university has to offer. But a lot of the postgraduate business and financial resources that are available are real at bigger time programs that have a lot of money. Now they're just able to repopulate and reorganize how they do the money. And it's through NIL. So I think that's something that um, should be brought up. Hey, I tell you what else should be brought up is a discussion about our great friends at LinkedIn. It's a new year but it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire qualified people you need, especially for small businesses. That's where LinkedIn jobs come in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. 
Uh, I use it. It is a big part of what we're doing at LandryFootball.com, the Landry Football Network, uh, Landry Football Operations, the scouting and consult- uh, uh, consult- uh, coaching, searching, consulting arm, uh, and we're looking for good people. And their ability to cut to the chase and get people that you don't have to waste time on is very, very useful, and I recommend them highly. All you got to do is create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. They focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hopefully hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Do you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit at LinkedIn? That's why you got to be there. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Landry. That's all caps. L-A-N-D-R-Y. That's LinkedIn.com slash Landry to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, we're going to get to your questions here. Then we're going to talk a little Super Bowl. <clears throat> and what to expect there. Rich Coates, appreciate you joining us. Rich is a... Uh, Chris, uh, thoughts on the Brian Flores situation, which he filed a lawsuit against Broncos Giants Dolphins, team that fired him for racial discrimination. Um, and what do you think, which is not true, would you, and he says, what do you think has made a mistake by firing this lawsuit knowing he's risking his career? Uh, Rich, he has um, obviously been put up to this by people that are very involved in making an issue. Look. We don't know the situation. So um, the racial discrimination part is tough to prove. But to say that clearly without a shadow of a doubt there wasn't, I don't know. I can't say that. Uh, What I do know is that he's certainly causing I think great harm to his career, but he's obviously doing it for a bigger cause. And obviously I would guess, shouldn't say obviously, I would guess that there's some financial backing to help him go through this process. And I do think there's probably um, a path for him to get back in, particularly as this situation of giving more minority opportunities goes through a process that maybe might lead to the fact that this will maybe push the envelope towards him. You know, if it goes in one direction, that it may be looked at is a little bit more positively this filing a lawsuit, that is, as it does now. But by the same token, I think there is a lot of potential harm. I don't think there's any doubt that he's a really good coach, first of all, and did a really good job at Miami. And I think would have been a really good fit for the Houston Texans. 
and he was passed over by another minority in Lovey Smith. But you know, I I think it had a I think it had a tremendous impact on Houston not wanting to hire him. They said it didn't. I gotta say that I think it clearly did, and I think it's tough. It's tough to get a job from a group in which you are suing. Um, Rich says that the senior bowl thoughts on some of the quarterbacks, Carson Strong, Desmond Ritter, Bailey Zappi. Well, I think all of those guys did an admirable job. I think Desmond Ritter was up and down, not real consistent. Zappi has some playmaking ability at Western. Carson Strong at Nevada has got some ability. The guys that really stood out to me, uh, that maybe made the most ground, uh, Pickett's really good, first of all, just in this draft class. He's more polished. I thought that Malik Willis and Sam Howell did really, I would call, eye-opening things in terms of their ability to absorb information, make good decisions, see the field. I think they were all positive. So that's how I see them. But I thought the guys you mentioned were were pretty good. All right, let's – Get into the Super Bowl, and if you got any questions, we'll wrap it up at the end. It is one of the more unique Super Bowls in that you're dealing with the – by the way, I looked this up today, or I asked somebody to look this up. So I was not aware of this. The longest odds to ever win the Super Bowl from – Preseason pick to now was the, ironically, the Rams of St. Louis in 1999 at 150 to 1. This year's Cincinnati Bengal team was a 200 to 1 shot. If they were to win this game, it'll be the biggest long shot from preseason to now in the history of the NFL. And I don't know that there's been a bigger one in the NBA, the NHL, or baseball. I, I don't know that. Um, perhaps we'll see. Um, this is the first time a top three seed for me that the AFC or NFC, uh, uh, NFC has not made the big game. We talked about it, that this might be a little bit of a crazy year. It it was. I would not have picked the Rams or the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I would not. I would have been 0 for 2. Start of the playoffs, much less start of the season. Um, definitely not the Bengals start of the season. So it's the first time a top three seed from either the AFC or NFC, NFC has not made the big game. Rams are obviously hit in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Bengals have been a while, 89. Remember it well. Interesting that we've not had a um, team play in its home field ever in the Super Bowl, and we had it last year. We're going to have it this year from never happening to two years in a row. 
Talk about weird. Cincinnati's red hot. It's won seven straight. Covers. Five outright upsets. It's a great storyline. It's a good game. Uh, it's Joe Burrow. It's a great group of receivers that have done a tremendous job of adapting with Joe to a passing game that does a great job with side adjustments and alleviating the pass rush pressure that this Bengals team is having a hard time to protect against, but they're able to work around it as functionally as they can. The defense of the Bengals has been very opportunistic. Um, the thing that jumps out at me when breaking down the tape, and I've gone into greater detail over at LandryFootball.com, check it out, is there is a distinct, a distinct advantage for the Rams' defensive line going up against this Bengals' offensive line. That has to be neutralized some way, shape, or form. Running the football, getting the ball out quick, Um, creating some short fields, getting an early lead off to a quick A lot of things that the Bengals can do, but I think we'll need to do to have success in the game. That is a distinct, make no mistake about it, you don't want to have to block this Rams pass rush with a really good offensive line, much less the one that the Bengals have, which is not a good pass blocking line. Not even good at all. Not playoff caliber at all. Nada. Not good. And you're having to go up against this. So how do you work around it? Look, they, they've they made it this far, and they've played some good teams, some good pass rushes, and they've gotten this far. So to throw that out as, oh, man, they cannot do it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They can. I'm just pointing out where the obstacles are and what needs to get done. For the Rams, they are a, in addition to a really good team against the pass, they have improved a little bit in the playoffs in terms of defending the run. Getting it done in the playoffs better against the run has been pretty impressive. Been pretty impressive. Now, Is the, are the Bengals going to run enough? It looks like strength versus strength. Well, the Bengals' strength is throwing it, not pass protection, but throwing it. Can they work the nuances of the coverages of the Rams effectively? It's going to be key. Um, and we just talked about the pass rush. Offensively, this Rams team can be explosive, can be dangerous. It can be mistake-prone. Um, if you look at how um, things are done with the Rams, it's been about Matthew Stafford and his ability to make big-time plays down the stretch here, and I think Sean McVay's done a good job with this team, um, with this offense. Call in plays. Neither one of these teams are great at running it. Who can create the proper matchups with the run game to create some matchup advantage in the pass game is going to be key. The Bengals have got behind in a number of playoff games and have fought back. 
you would not think they would have much success against the Chiefs, holding them down enough to be able to win that. I didn't think they'd do it. They were able to do it. You'd be foolish, I think, to count out the Bengals. I think they've shown to be very resilient, very mentally tough, and Burrow is a flatliner. I do think that the best Rams performance, and again, your performance is directly correlated to who you're playing, right? I mean, how effective you are relative to who you're playing against is you could play well and somebody makes you look bad because they're playing better than you. And then they're what I call unforced errors where they look good because you play poorly. And so the Rams' best game against the Bengals' best game is a Rams win because I think there's distinct advantages for the Rams, as I mentioned, at the line of scrimmage in particular, offensive and defensive lines. If you look at the history, um, is the line of scrimmage uh, last year's Super Bowl, the Bucks' defensive line dominated the Chiefs' offensive line. That's certainly cause to consider that could be the case again this year. If I were to look at it and say strength versus strength, both teams play clean games, it's pretty easy to look at the Rams and say that's the better team. They'll win that game, and here's how. But the Rams do go through stretches where they will turn it over. Even Stafford has made mistakes, and that's maybe the great equalizer. It always is the turnovers of the great equalizer. Could I see this game maybe being close enough, make some turnovers, Bengals come up with some big plays? Look at the Bengals, even when defensively they couldn't get stops. Late they came up with some key stops, and then you don't want to give Joe Burrow a chance in the fourth quarter if you're the Rams. You don't. I might take Joe Burrow in a tight game in the fourth quarter between the two quarterbacks. And I like Matthew Stafford, and I think Matthew Stafford's a winner. I think he's proven it this year he's a winner. And yet I might take Burrow in that situation. But can they get into that situation? And, you know, Stafford, who's – look, Burrow's turned the football over some as well and overcome it. Stafford's turned it over and – and overcome it. But this is where I think if the Rams play a clean game, they win it. If not, I think the Bengals have a really good chance. We're going to go into, uh, again, all the details at LandryFootball.com. For example, um, we've got the film room game preview. But then I'm going to have – I've got other posts that I've got regarding this game. Making a case for the Rams to win. What needs to happen? Got that for you. A case for Cincinnati to win it. Who are some under-the-radar games? You always see that. Who's the David Tyree? You know, Pana, who could that be? Key stats to know for this game. Uh, Sean McVay's game plan in the last game in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and what he might have learned from that. Some key things for the Bengals' defense and the offense that needs to have happened. What's been the key to their offensive turnaround? It's not uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. It's more than that. That's the biggest part, but there's more to that. There's some glue that allows those 
things to explode. The defense, how they need to avoid a slow start here. And we'll talk a little bit about how this Ram team was built. And we'll take a, take a look at some film room stats. Bunch of stuff, different ways to look at this game. So check it out. One last look inside the film room. And Rich Coach says in relation to the first question, Flores mentioned that um, Stephen Ross offered $100,000 for each loss during the 19th season and an alleged incentive to improve the team's position in the first round. In other words, tank the season and they get one of the quarterbacks, which the Dolphins we know drafted to it. Yes. Um, that's what he claimed. Is it true? Well, you and I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, can you prove it? Um, it's not a court of law, but as they investigate this, if there's evidence, do you have it in an email? I doubt it. I would doubt Stephen Ross would be that dumb or anybody in their organization would be that dumb to circulate an email that says, hey, we'll do this. So is it recorded? I doubt it. But if you have that, it's his word against theirs. <clears throat> I mean, to me, it, it, it's incomprehensible. And I think just foolhardy, and I know it happens in the NBA, but to me, I thought the the Dolphins were a little bit ahead of schedule because of how Flores did coach his team and worked his team. I thought they developed a little bit of an attitude. And and look, that means more than just, well, we're going to get a few draft picks, draft spots higher. Um, and yet they got the same guy. So I... Look, I don't know what happened. I, I don't, you know, know what happened. No, none of us do there. Um, what was my scouting invention? Gary Walker out of Auburn. I drafted him. Gary was a good power rusher with that played with good leverage and heavy hands. Um, we we're fortunate to get him where we did. I had a, a hot second round grade on him and didn't uh, think he would last that long. Tim Bowens, Tim Bowens out of Ole Miss was a immensely talented defensive lineman, but he was soft. He was a big baby. Winfred Tubbs out of Texas is a really good player. I didn't, uh, I wasn't as high on him as some, and, and he had a, a decent career, but just wasn't, wasn't, I don't think he had the instincts and the toughness to be an elite player that I, that I think you need to be playing linebacker. So, um, that's my evaluations of them. Hey, good thoughts, Rich. And thank you, Jeff, for joining us in the chat room. A reminder that you can join us in the chat room. Ask your questions. We've got, we're working on some things behind the scenes. Uh, some new projects that we're hoping to get underway. Some more meetings next week after I get the Super Bowl out of the way. Um, and we'll let you know on that as it comes about, if it comes about. But uh, want to invite you to check out everything at LandryFootball.com um, for all the detail. Look, we we are working now. I'm working on a lot of things. And look, the scouts that I hire that work in the league that that put together a lot of good stuff for you, uh, the draft information, the free agent information, we're going to have for you uh, detailed breakdowns of um, – the, uh, the off season of each and every NFL team, uh, an off season free agent preview, 
draft previews when it's time. So uh, best players in the league by position, best free agents available, but we're going to have all that for you. So you want to be involved with LandryFootball.com all year long. You know, Rich is asking about these guys at the Senior Bowl. You can get detailed scouting notes on every player at the Senior Bowl over at LandryFootball.com. So check it out today. We appreciate you joining us. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week at the same time, recap the Super Bowl, and get you ready for the start of the offseason preparation. College and NFL, what goes on? Will we have resolution at Auburn? I think we would one way or the other. A lot of things going on. We'll keep you up to date for it uh, on it right here at the Landry Football Network, LandryFootball.com. So check us uh, out there. Appreciate you. Take care. Have a great one, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.